Yes, the story was definitely going ahead with some people, but I just are not happy with what is happening yet. So what is happening? What are you unhappy about? The predominant drive is the ongoing unfair impoundment of our vehicles for minor infringement by the city of Cape Town under their new bylaws. And then the continued marginalization of the taxi industry. The latest thing now is more than 2,000 new operating licenses for e-hailing operators were be issued without consulting with the taxi industry. And then we've got a B97 where a lot of blood um, was lost in the industry. The Western Cape government allowed the bus companies to... So this has been resolved. These leaders, these buses refusing now to get away or move out of the area. So it's all unfair and things aimed at hitting the taxi industry. So, Mr. Sayers, let me understand this. So, as the taxi industry, are you trying to prevent uh, competition from other players in the areas in which you operate? Not at all, provided that this competition can be fair. First thing, these buses are the guys who have been subsidized on more than 100 million rand per month. We are getting nothing, and they never operated there. This was a taxi route established and built to the point of profitability. Unfortunately, there were some hiccups there, and we were excluded from operating on this route. But that has been resolved, and on the 8th of December, the route was reopened to the taxi industry. In the interim, we agreed to not let the commuters be stranded. Government issued special licenses to the bus company to operate on that route. Now the taxi industry is ready to get back there, but the buses refuse to, to move away, and government is refusing, I can state that now, to speak to us, engage with us about this. And the big thing that we are scared of is it might result in some funny activities in the end. And to get that out of the way, we are begging them to speak to us. Up until yesterday, they refused bluntly to speak to the taxi industry and it was resolved. We will then engage on a stay away to get the attention from government, which I must add happened now. Late yesterday, after the appointment of the new NEC for transport, all of a sudden, the NEC, Mayor and Premier, is meeting with the Santaku delegation in half an hour's time. So we'll take it from there. So I was going to ask you about that because uh, from um, what we've um, been told, there is, of course, um, there's been an appeal by the Western Cape government to Santaco, uh, you know, basically uh, asking for you not to go ahead with it and saying that it's bad for the economy that's only starting to recover from the effects of the pandemic and load shedding and all of that. Uh, but um, what would it take for this stay away to be averted? I wouldn't want to comment on that. We'll wait for the outcome of this meeting. The first thing, we've moved one step into the right direction by, at last, agreeing to engage, to speak to the leadership of Santaku. Remember, this is not the first thing, first time, and it didn't start overnight. We've been begging them since last year, November, to sit around the table so that we can address these issues. It's unnecessary that we needed to go get to the point of the eve of a stay awake.
And we know that there's going to be uncomfortable and inconvenience to our people. The community that we serve is the poorest of the poor. But unfortunately, we've been suffering for years, and nobody ever wants to listen to us. We've been uh, labeled as thugs by the various departments. Others don't want to speak to us at all. I'll tell you a little example. Last week, a little thing of scholar transport was one of the issues on the table, and one of our regions stopped the current contracted operators operating there. Santaku intervened and negotiated with the region to stop that action, provided we will get, try to get a foot into government so that we can sit around the table again. We were, as I said, bluntly refused that interview, so there's nothing we can do there. But now, all of a sudden, they realize that the economy is going to suffer, but we've been suffering all along. So, to that point of the scholar transport, Mr. Sayers, like, that is directly infringing on learners' rights. Why would that be acceptable? Why would anyone think it is okay to prevent children from going to school? The idea is not to infringe or keep their education away from anybody. So, that's what I try to explain to you. But those are the consequences of your actions. But those are the consequences of your actions then. The fact is that the children couldn't go to school. Santaku was never involved with any scholar education or transport disruptions. So is Codeta not part of Santaku? Codeta is one region of Santaku. We went out of our way to engage with the leadership of Codeta to convince them to stop their actions, which they agreed to. Then we turned around and said, government, we've got these people who's agreeing to refrain from interfering with your scholar transport. Can we please talk and get a solution on the table? The NEC for Transformation wrote and said they refused to negotiate with facts. I don't know, that is the Santaku people we were referring to after we went in to try to get a solution. And I hear that, but, but, but do you understand why people would be aggrieved? I hear your reasons, but do you uh, understand why the other side would equally feel aggrieved to the point of uh, referring to this or characterizing it as thuggery when you are preventing people's children, not you, but one of your affiliates, from actually going to school? Okay, but you also hear that I say we try to intervene and then we need to take a step back. Where did this come from? More than a year ago, there was negotiations and talks between um, Codeta and the Department of Education where they were promised to be looked after in the awarding of the tender. And they buy, the government is bypassing that thing by awarding the contract on a month-to-month basis just to exclude the tax industry. So there's a frustration. Again, maybe not the ideal solution, but we should understand where it's coming from. And as they say, in any war, then it's casualties. Unfortunately, it's the children now. Mm. But you do agree that is thuggish behavior. <laughs> no comment on that one. <laughs> because it is thuggish. But all the same, when you say government agreed to take care of the Taxi Association of Codeta uh, in the awarding of that uh, scholar transport, what exactly do you mean by that? What were they promised and by whom? Santaku was not part of that uh, negotiations. When we engaged with the uh, people, they informed us that they had some talks with government officials and relatively high-up officials. And 
historically the taxi industry will always tell you cannot participate in the formal sphere of economics because you are not organized, you are not structured. <laughs> With various other programs, the industry are now structured. These companies being established, and so data went on the on the side to speak to education and said, yes, we are ready now. Please afford us the opportunity, even if it's tender. Look at us as well. They were promised that we will do it. Please bear with us. The contract is ongoing. But that contract is still ongoing. It's been renewed monthly to briefly exclude the data. So uh, just as we wrap this up, you mentioned something earlier about uh, one of the reasons that uh, you are opposed to uh, the buses, for example, operating on uh, traditional taxi routes was because they were subsidized by government. So did you raise that particular issue with the Western Cape government and what was the response? This has been an ongoing issue. It's been raised with the answer is normally this is a national government issue, but those people out there, the bus company, are being treated with kid gloves and fed millions and millions of taxpayers' money. We had a little program in the Western Cape called Blue Dot, which was a pilot project, project with the idea of if, it, if it's working, it will be rolled out further. All of a sudden, it came to a halt in December because there's no more money. But in the meantime, these other companies continue receiving subsidies and they are transporting a fraction of the public transport uh, passengers. I mean, not my states, government states say we are transporting 80% or 80% plus of the marginalized people with no subsidy. So for the other 20%, they can pump in billions that we cannot be looked at. So this is something we are not going to stop over that, but we need to talk and there must be an end. Somewhere in the future, there must be something. Hmm. So, a uh, final question about this because we need to move on. Uh, with regard to um, the eventualities, and I know you say that there has now been a last minute call to actually sit around the table and have an urgent meeting about the issues regarding this mass stay away. Um, if, uh, just if things don't go your way and you continue tomorrow with the stay away action, are you able to guarantee people's safety? Because your taxis, obviously, if you go ahead with it, will not be operating. But we've seen in the past where buses, for example, have been attacked during such stayaways. So is that absolutely necessary? Why can't people then just be allowed to get to work however they get to work when your taxis are not operating? There's a couple of, couple of factors here that you're leaving out of the equation. Last year, we had a very successful stay away for two days. And our request, instruction to our members is keep your vehicles at home or at the taxi rank. There's no movement. And we were relatively successful in maintaining law and order and peace. We learned from previous marches that if we go to never a memorandum after that, everybody is on the streets and funny things happen. This time around, not much happened, but again, we have requested people to stay at home, and we are relatively sure that no taxi people will be involved in illegalities. But we must bear in mind, there's always the criminal element. The small little bit that want to exploit this opportunity to do these things. But from a Santaku point of view, the, the quest out there is stay at home, don't know, we just without the service. 
Mr. Sayers, your meeting is about to start, so hopefully we'll be back in touch to get an update on how it goes. Uh, Santaco General Secretary uh, Reno Sayers there uh, speaking to us from Cape Town, and they're going into a meeting uh, with uh, the Western Cape uh, Premier, Alan Windy, the newly appointed Mobility MEC, Ricardo McKenzie, uh, and the Cape Town Executive uh, Mayor, uh, Jordan Hill-Lewis. They'll all be in that meeting, so uh, we'll hope for some updates from that and we'll let you know how it goes.